is um, about our faith when you're telling everyone to imagine, you know, things. And, you know, in Matthew chapter 9, and this we've said this many times before, where Jesus with the four crazy friends, the paralytic man on, the, on, on, the, on his mat, took him into the room, and Jesus saw their faith and healed him. The man didn't even have any. So he, when we say, you know, believe in your mind that you can imagine things that you are healed whole and well, even for somebody else, he's going to see that faith. And I can't explain that, but God knows. And, um, and so that's Matthew chapter, and I read the whole chapter. And then as he goes down in chapter 20 and verse 28, there's these two blind men that follow him after they see him healing the paralytic man then raising the daughter. And they're like, Jesus, you know, crying out they wanted healing. And he just turned and said, well, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. And he said, well, be it unto you according to your faith. So in anything that you have, be it unto you according to your faith. Amen. And so that's what I want you to increase your, your believing. And in, in, um, in John 5, verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It doesn't even say even our faith. It just says our faith has overcome the world because we have faith in him. Amen. So you are an overcomer for yourself and for other people. Amen. So you just believe right and things, you, you watch what happens. And then he even says when we're faithless, he's faithful. So there we, we, we win either way. All right. And so... This is our testimony in 1 John 5, 11, that this is the testimony. Whenever we're singing that song, that God has given us eternal life in his son. That's our testimony. God has given us eternal life. And in that life in his son, there's no sickness. There's no lack. There's no depression. I mean, so we believe that. That's our testimony. Amen. So I was just flowing. I was writing it all down. So I didn't have anything. But um, anyway, so what you doing? Is it getting hot in here now? <laughs> I made it hot. Okay. That, that's new green, isn't it? I, I like it. The green looks good. The necklace is new too, isn't it? It's not? You just look fresh and new this morning. I love it. <laughs> Sound effects. All right. It's good to be in love, isn't it? Um. Alice, how is your mother? Wonderful. Yeah. Amen. Good, good. Well, we've been praying and declaring healing over your mom, but she is home. So remember Alice's mother this week. So you get your Bibles out this morning, and let's go to the book of Exodus. As we continue our Exodus series, hope you uh, receive something fresh and interesting to keep thinking about and studying from last week. We looked at uh, Jesus said, I am. Uh, it was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. He had not yet appeared in the flesh, but he did appear in um, the burning bush and told Moses that I am the Lord, the great I am. Then we looked at seven IMs and from John's Gospel, especially the bread of life. Uh, we looked at last week, and I made comparisons through the week for you on the devotions and on our Facebook post, comparing the manna that God provided in the wilderness, fresh daily provision uh, that was their sustenance, their uh, what sustained them and gave them strength, 
And I compared that to the bread of life, and Jesus said that he was that bread of life. He gives us fresh bread, daily bread, he said, and it's new every morning. And he is the one who provides for us. And this morning, as we continue, go to chapter 3 of Exodus. Let me read two portions of scripture, and then we will try to um, look at a few things that you can think about that will encourage you throughout the week. To find Christ in Exodus, okay? Verse 8 of chapter 3. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. This is God speaking through the burning bush uh, and telling Moses that he has heard the cries of his children. Has anyone ever cried out to God about their need? Ever felt burdened down, stressed out to the max, and just didn't think you could take it anymore, and you cried out to the Lord? That's where the children of Israel were. They were had been in captivity to the Egyptians for 400 years. Abraham had prophesied that this would take place. It was a prophe- prophecy that was being fulfilled. Um, there was another prophecy that his son... Israel would come out of Egypt, and that was not talking prophetically about the children of Israel. However, Israel did come out of Egypt. That was a type and shadow of his son, Jesus, who did come out of Egypt. We'll see that here in just a minute. He said, because I've heard your cry, I have come down to deliver you. Someone underline or highlight that word deliver. Come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Egypt here in the book of Exodus, is a, it resembles, it's a theological word that we use type or shadow of sin for uh, the rest of us. This is something that really historically took place for the children of Israel, but why do we read it and what do we see in it? We find Christ in the historical picture of natural Israel. It is really... God's trying to show us about his real children, his actual children, which is anyone and everyone who will believe what Jesus did. And so he is going to deliver them out of, we can say it this way, the hand of sin. And to bring them up, he, did, he wasn't just going to bring them out, but he was going to bring them up. I'm thankful God brought me out of sin, but he put me on top of sin. He brought me up (laughs) from the land to a good and large land that is flowing with milk and with honey to the children of Israel, natural Israel. It was Canaan land. Thank God for all the southern gospel songs that talk about crossing over Jordan and being in heaven, but we're not looking for a piece of real estate. We find milk and honey in the man called Jesus. He is our promised land. And then chapter 6 of Exodus, verse 6. God tells Moses to say something to the children of Israel. Chapter 6, verse 6. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you up out of the burden of sin. I will rescue you from your bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm 
and with great judgments. The great judgments here, again, speaking naturally, were the plagues that took place to bring them out. He did not bring us out of sin with great judgments. He placed all that judgment on Jesus. He took our judgment with his outstretched hands. Can you see it? And he rescued and redeemed us. And I have cold chills going up and down my spine right now. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. Holy Ghost, we honor you. Speak through us the words that will encourage, uplift, and edify your people and make Jesus look real good and real big. In Jesus' name, we declare it amen. So I'll briefly mention that when we look at the Old Testament, we begin to see types and shadows. That's a fancy theological way of saying that there are things that are going on historically and naturally, and we are specifically looking at the book of Exodus and the nation of Israel and things that God is doing for them and through them that are really just a picture and a foreshadowing. Have you ever seen these? They're very popular right now. I've even seen it on the X Factor and America's Got Talent. They put a sheet up. And then there's a light that shines behind them and people act out things and it's a silhouette, but you can't really tell what's going on. I mean, it's a form. Maybe people get together and it looks like a flower. So if that veil was removed and the light was shined up on the actors, you could see more vividly and uh, clearly what was going on. That's kind of what's going on here. Christ is veiled. In the Old Testament, when we read it, we really have to understand the New Testament first and find Christ in the New Testament. Then we go back and we begin. Dots started connecting for me once I understood that Jesus was the exact representation of the invisible God. I couldn't really see who God was in the Old Testament. I couldn't reconcile the things that God was doing to people until I understood who Jesus was and what he did for people. Once I understood what he had done for us, I came back and then I began to see that these things were unveiled. The dots started connecting and I said, oh, that's really not what God did. Because I see the favor of God on the, the children of Israel right here in this scripture. I mean, they cried out and he said, I will, I will, and I will. It didn't say, you have to, you have to, and you have to, and when you do, then I will. No, he comes and he says, I've heard your cry, I see where you're at, and I will deliver you. I will redeem you, I will rescue you, I will bring you out, and I will take you in. Type, amen, go ahead, help yourself. Uh, this may not be a typical Palm Sunday message, but I believe there's enough believers in the house that have been around long enough that you know Jesus rode in, rode in on a donkey today. And he rode in, to, uh, and the people shouted Hosanna because they thought that he was coming to be a deliverer of a military system to take the hand of Rome off of them and the oppression they were going through. And he did, but it was not in the military fashion that they thought that it was going to come. But he rode in as a deliverer. Moses is a type and shadow of Christ because he was a deliverer that helped lead the people. Let's take just a moment to look at a few ways that Moses is a type 
and shadow of Christ in the book of Exodus. Do you know that Moses was born, born during a great oppression where they had an evil ruler? His name was Pharaoh. He, got, he was so paranoid that he was having all of the male children from two years of age and under killed. And when Moses was born, his mom put him in a basket and put him in the Nile River. That basket became an ark of safety for, for Moses. Do you understand that Jesus, when he was born, was born under a time of oppression when the Romans were oppressing the children of Israel and Herod was so paranoid that he was having all of the male children two years of age and under. Does that sound familiar at all? Both men born under a time of oppression where God used them as a vehicle to deliver people. I feel the Holy... I'm telling you, I, I don't know what, what he's trying to tell us this morning, but he wants to use you, he wants to use me as a deliverer for the people right now. We are born in a time of oppression, and there is great turmoil in our world, but if we will declare the words of the Lord in the favor of God, he will use us to help bring people to a place of freedom. You are a deliverer. Mm, man, I feel that. Did you know Moses was a shepherd? If you'll read Exodus, you'll find out that he was watching the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, Bodine. <laughs> His name really wasn't Bodine. That's uh, Beverly Hillbillies. But Jesus declared in John 10.10 10, that he was the great shepherd. We're talking about the types and shadows of Moses and Christ. Moses sent out 12 men to spy out the land, but Jesus sent out 12 people to evangelize the land. <laughs> Moses sent out 70 elders. Jesus sent out 70 at one point. Moses and Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, but Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. Moses went up to a high mountain to receive the, the rules of the old covenant. Jesus went to a mountain to cut the brand new covenant that would be a better covenant. Moses raised, was raised in royalty. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter in the palace. He sat on the throne. He had royalty and he left that royalty to come and dwell among his people. Jesus left the royalty of heaven to come to live among his people. Huh, man, Moses led the people out by a rod, but Jesus would lead us out by his blood. What were you going to say? Because that's probably better. By the mercy seat. That's right, the Ark of the Covenant. Moses was a deliverer for his people, and Jesus is a deliverer for all people. Put your hands together and thank God. For the deliverer. So let's take a moment and look at these two deliverers. The word deliverance is the act of being set free. It means to be rescued or released from captivity, slavery, oppression, or any other restraint. Now there are people that are right now in captivity. Yes, and I mean literally. There are many suffering and imprisoned because of the gospel. But there are many sitting in church pews today that are in captivity. 
There are many that you work beside, grocery shop beside, talk to that are full, that are being battled with oppression. They're enslaved to drugs or alcohol or any other type of vice that would rob from them the joy of enjoying life. And they need to be delivered. But God has already, if I can get a shout from anyone, delivered us all from the bonds of sin. It's just some people have woken up to it and other people have not yet been awakened to it. So our assignment as deliverers is to tell people that they've already been delivered. It's amazing who God is putting in our path. Uh, phone calls that we are receiving of, from people that I did not have relationship with. Uh, and it's amazing how God is causing our paths to cross. Pastor Jen visited someone in the hospital yesterday because of a phone call through the Ministerial Association to go visit at uh, Taze Valley Hospital. told you last week that I visited a young man because of religious oppression was trying to take his own life. And I'm not talking about in Sudan somewhere. I'm talking about right here in Taze Valley. Um, a cry for help needs delivered. Knows this book inside out and upside down and still oppressed. Held in captivity and bondage to certain lifestyles and drug addiction. And he's trying to get free from this thing. But I have brought him good news. And you can bring people good news that they have been delivered. What does that mean? The act of being rescued has already taken place at the cross. This is Passion Week. This is Holy Week. From this, this Palm Sunday to next Sunday, we see the passion of our Christ who was going through the act of setting you free, rescuing you, redeeming you, bringing you out to take you in. <laughs> so, Pastor, why do people suffer from different addictions and oppressions and captivity it's a mindset uh, and we can help people we should be helping people to repent that word in the Greek is metanoia to change their mind about who they are and what God has done for them Moses was used by God as a deliverer to help rescue his people Israel Exodus tells us that the children of Israel were dealt with shrewdly by Pharaoh. He set taskmasters over them and afflicted them with the burdens of Egypt. I'm reminded of a scripture that Jesus said, Take my yoke upon me, on you, and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but the burden of sin, the burden of Egyptian, of Egypt will bring affliction on you. It is a heavy burden to carry. He began to try, the, this Pharaoh began to try, kill off the nation of Israel so that they would not grow, increase, and have favor. Because if you'll look at the scripture, if you'll read chapter 1 and chapter 2, they were largely increasing and growing even under the oppression and the captivity of Pharaoh and 
the burden of Egypt on their back. They were multiplying. God was blessing them because the promise to Abraham was that your seed will multiply and be greater than the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And God was not locked in his promise. He was fulfilling this for the children of Israel. But Pharaoh got so paranoid that he wanted to kill off the favor that God was showing to his people. I, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that anything and everything that is going on is an attempt to try to kill the favor and the blessing of God's people throughout the globe. I'm not just talking about God bless America. I'm talking about God has blessed the world. His hand is upon His people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In every attempt of any type of substance abuse, anything that would wreck and ruin your life to pull you away from the plan of God is an attempt to keep the favor of God and the increase of His kingdom. But I've got good news for you today. Of His kingdom and His government, there shall be no end. It is always and ever increasing. Why? Because you have been delivered by an outstretched hand. Hmm. Exodus 3, chapter, 7, chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus, I believe prophetically we can see Jesus here, but God says, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt and bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. This is three times in the book of Exodus that we have heard that God would rescue and not only bring them out, but bring them in. Would you take a moment and think with me? I believe a lot of people understand that they have been brought out, but a lot of people don't understand what they've been brought into. They believe that Jesus went to the cross. They believe that Jesus died. They believe that His blood was for the remission of their sin, but they've not yet stepped into the land flowing with milk and honey. They don't realize that they are already in Christ. They have the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that causes them to rule and reign in this life. See, sin doesn't have dominion over you. You have dominion over it, and because you have dominion over it, now you rule and reign. Because the plan of God has always been and still is for you to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. That's what God restored in the garden. That he took the grave and turned into a beautiful garden. I see this in Christ in Luke's gospel chapter 4. God said to Moses, I will bring you out of the affliction and I will bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. But Jesus stands up after he's been baptized. The Spirit descends upon him like a dove. The voice of heaven speaks. He's led into the wilderness, and he comes out of the wilderness after, 50, after 40 days uh, with victory over the lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life. He defeats the devil with the word, which he is the word. And he, he, this is the declaration that he makes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Listen to this. He sent me to heal. Now, the scripture says the brokenhearted, but that's not actually in the, new, the original language. If you have a Bible that has a little asterisk there, or if your uh, Bible puts those words brokenhearted in italic words, it will tell you in the footnote that that wasn't there. So actually he's saying he has sent me to heal. That takes care of everything that needs to be healed. 
Thank God He healed, does heal the brokenhearted. But anything else that you need to be healed of and from, He said, I've come to heal. He said, I've, I proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to, sit, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or downtrodden. That was the ministry of Jesus to come and to preach the gospel of good news to the poor. And that's not just financially poor. That's the broken in spirit poor because all the law will do to you and trying to keep it is make you spiritually bankrupt. And so when we get poor in, the spirit, poor in spirit, he comes to declare good news to you. You don't have to do it that way anymore. He has sent me to heal. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Now see, these captive Israelites under the hand and domination of the Roman government wanted God the Messiah to come and to deliver them with a sword and set up a kingdom where he ruled militantly and he defeated all of his enemies. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And he dismantled that kingdom to set up his kingdom and to declare that all captives are set free and liberated. And the recovery of sight to the blind. And he says again, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, downtrodden. Um, folks, I'm going to tell you something. I don't normally get political. But a change in the White House isn't going to make a difference. We need a change in the way that we think and the, the way that if right believing will lead to right living. And we've got to get away from a behavior modification and a sin management program and realize that the deliverer has come and set us free and we need to think differently. And if we will think differently, it does not matter who sits at the White House because it matters who sits on the throne of our heart. And when we've stepped into that liberty, then we become a vehicle to operate and bring others into the freedom from oppression. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Um, if you are dealing with someone with great addiction in their life, they don't care who the president is. Tell me how I can get set free. That's enough politics for the day. As God used Moses to deliver his people, sending him into a world of sin, Egypt was a type and shadow of sin, he sent Jesus into a world of sin to deliver his children. So I have a question. What did Jesus come to deliver us from? Nobody has an answer. Well, I'll give you a few. <laughs> He came to rescue from sin and shame. Romans 6 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you, have, you are not under the law, but you are under grace, and having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Isaiah 54, 4 says, Instead of your shame, he will give you double portion and everlasting joy will be yours. Does anybody realize that they have been rescued from sin and shame? Despising the shame. He took our, the chastisement of our peace upon him. 
Not shame on you, shame on Jesus. He took all your shame. So you don't have to be shameful about your sin because He's taken care of that. You can step into the glorious liberty of double portion and enjoying life. He's rescued you and delivered you from guilt and condemnation. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He set you from free from bondage and oppression. And Moses said to the people in Exodus 13, Remember this day when which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the hand of the Lord he has brought you out of this place. That place was bondage and oppression. He set you free and rescued you from death and darkness. Colossians says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Uh, I'm going to get a little eschatological on you. Eschatological on you. I can't even say that word. Frustrated myself. That twinkling of an eye that you've heard about when the Lord shall come has already taken place. When you believed in a twinkling of an eye faster than you can bat your eye, you were transferred from the kingdom of darkness and you were transformed out of that kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. That's how quite, boom, that's how fast it takes place. Yeah. Folks, if that's what you want and it's out in your future somewhere, go ahead. And if you're right and I'm wrong, I'm still going with you. Okay? But I want to believe that these things have already taken place. The transformation, I don't have to strive and struggle anymore to get into a kingdom that has already been given to me. I'm free from struggling. I really just, I'm, I, I don't have to struggle to be free. I'm free to struggle. So if there's anything that I'm battling with, I'm still walking in freedom because he's delivered me from death and darkness. See, the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God through the deliverer, Jesus Christ, is eternal life. That's Zoe life. That's the God kind of life. That is quality and quantity. That is a quality life here on the planet with future implications of quantity of life for eons and ages to come. I'll take both. It's not either or. <laughs> he saved us. Oh, get a hold of this one. Get your pens out. Write this scripture down and hold on to this. Put this in your back pocket. This is yours. He has saved you, delivered you, and rescued you from the works of the devil. Uh, come on, somebody. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. Listen to this. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Do you believe that he has done that? Do you believe that the works of that system are destroyed? If we don't, that's, that's how we have a devil that walks around eating up the children of God and attacking them. And, but see, he's been destroyed. And the works that he could do, could do and would do, are, they don't exist. Listen, what you believe, be it unto you according to your faith, 
What you believe will manifest in your life. If you believe in demons and devils and you're looking for them, guess what's going to manifest? Demons and devils. But man, since I started walking in the kingdom and the light of the kingdom, believing that I was in the kingdom right now, I've never encountered a demonic power in my life. Thank you, Alice. I appreciate that. So the rest of you are going to get a hold of that and you're going to start believing it too. I did not say that they weren't real. I just said I have not been encountering them because I don't look for them. I'm sorry? I've not given them a place. Give no place, the scripture says to the devil. You, you don't give a place to him, he's not going to manifest. Now, I have seen him manifest that, that whole evil world manifest in people who have not believed that they're, they have been delivered. And they're struggling with things. But guess what we do when that happens? We just step right into that and say, you have to go. In Jesus' name, that's all you have to do. This is the kingdom realm. This belongs to the kingdom, and you have no authority here. You have to go. And we just keep on walking in the light of God. He delivered us and destroyed the one who had oppressed God's kids. Now, I am of the persuasion, this is me, that we don't fight an enemy that has already been defeated and destroyed. Now, if you want to release power over to him, confiscated power that's already yours, but if you want to release that power back to him, he will fight you in your mind. Um, and we're going to talk more on those lines in May when we look at the myths of spiritual warfare. Frank, if you would come. In the New Testament, God is always the subject, and his people are always the object. Remember, we talked about that deliverance is the act of being set free. So in this act of being set free, released, or rescued, God is always the subject and His people are always the object. He is always bestowing upon us as His children, His favor, His grace, His mercy, His deliverance. And the descriptions of temporal deliverance in the Old Testament, only serve as a symbolic representation of the spiritual deliverance from sin, which is, a, is available to all who believe. So he offers deliverance from sin, from death, from evil, from oppression, from judgment, to everyone and anyone who will, who will believe. Let me let you see these three aspects one more time and then I'm going to give you a scripture from Hebrews as we close it out. There are three aspects here that God promised Israel that he would perform and he did perform them not only for Israel but for us as well through Christ. Number one, he will bring you out of all of the burdens of sin. That's his first promise, I'll bring you out. Then he said, I will rescue you from bondage and redeem you from the burdens of that bondage and affliction. And through Jesus, he has rescued us from sin and the burden and the bondage. He's redeemed us. He has bought us back and purchased us with his own blood. That's what 1 Corinthians says. And then he says, I will bring you into. He brought us out. 
rescued and redeemed us, and He is bringing you into a land. And really for us, that land is not a piece of real estate. It is the person of Jesus Christ. Our promised land. He's rescued us. He's saved us. He's redeemed us. He's purchased us. He's called us His own. And He has hidden us in Christ, our Deliverer. Isn't it amazing that even in the New Testament, when we refer to the law, when we refer to how they came out, we refer to it as the law of Moses. Because he was the mediator and the deliverer of that system. But Hebrews 3 tells us that there is one greater than Moses. His name is Jesus. The only mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. So he has caused us to cease from our labor. See the whole thing about the children of Israel when they were in Egypt is they were constantly laboring and toiling. But God brought them out. But they spent 40 years wandering in a wilderness when it was a three day journey. Thank Oh Jesus, thank God for the three day journey that God took, that Jesus took. So we didn't have to spend 40 years wandering because of unbelief. Here's my question this morning. Why waste another lap in the same wilderness of unbelief? Why do you want to waste another lap in that same old wilderness of unbelief? See, because they were promised as we were promised. But they did not mix faith. In other words, they didn't believe that God had given them the land. He promised, he said, I'll drive out the pestilence. I'll drive out the giants. I'll drive out the Hebutites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites. He said, I will drive them out. But see, they didn't believe the report. And because they didn't believe the report, because they did not fix their faith on the good news of the gospel, they wasted another lap in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Faith realizes our immediate access into God's rest. It grants you that access. The moment that you believe, you cease from your labors and you enter into the rest. See, entering into your rest is not when you die and go to heaven. You can cease from your labors right now. You can enter into that Sabbath rest, and He is our Sabbath. So why waste another lap in the wilderness? God's rest celebrates His finished work. And whoever enters God's rest immediately abandons his own efforts to improve what God has already perfected. Would you stand with me? Would you contemplate that question? If you're at home sitting on your couch, if you're at your desk watching on the computer, if you have your phone out enjoying an activity right now and you are listening to us, our question this morning is, why would you want to waste another lap in the wilderness of unbelief? When if you'll release your faith this morning, 
First of all, faith to believe in the finished work. You enter into eternal life. And you are instantly, with the twinkling of an eye, transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son because of the Deliverer. Hmm. But many are still held in captivity and in bondage, slave to all types of things in their life because there are a lot of unbelieving believers. They've believed in Him for salvation, but they have not believed that He is the one that can rescue, redeem, and bring them into the land that flows with milk and honey. So if you'd bow your heads this morning and contemplate those things and listen as Frank and Angie sing, and then we'll pray together here in just a minute.